Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking about Beauty and the Beast. This podcast could be the one. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello! Good morning. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other home movie topics. This is episode 278-278. Pretty close to 290. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. Even closer to 280, 12, some would say. More. Yeah. <laughs> and this week we're talking... Beauty and the Beast, the latest Disney live-action remake, which made a whopping $170 million this weekend. Much is, more than I thought. I, I hadn't looked at the numbers yet, but that's that's much more than I thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be big, but that's a that's a huge number for opening <laughs> weekend. Huge. Um, but yeah, and joining us today to discuss uh, Beauty and the Beast, we have from Movies Marcus. He's our guest, he's our guest, and one might argue he's the best. Test his knowledge, chat some movies, but the games are really true test it's marcus robinson oh oh man uh yeah hello thank you for that introduction we also have we also have from endor express he was once a lad he and he'd eat four dozen eggs early in the morning but now as a podcasting man he'll eat five dozen eggs just to prepare for this show it's david yeah um i had a i was gonna say something that chip says as to, to introduce myself, but then you threw me a Gaston. I was not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a guessing a, game here. <laughs> but I, I am a size of the barge, though. So. Yeah. Hello, everybody. <laughs> but can you lift up LeFou? <laughs> I pity LeFou. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How, how are you two doing today? <laughs> I'm great. Good. <laughs> Doing the huge. David, you David's all right? T- David's tired. <laughs> I, I Yes, I'm waking up slowly, though. Okay, okay good. <laughs> all right. Well, glad to have you guys both here. He'll be, he'll be awake before we know it. <laughs> glad to have you guys both here. Glad to, glad to have Marcus on this podcast to prove to him that I don't just have him on for black movies. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, did, uh, I'm, you know I did spot a few. <laughs> almost, yeah, almost walked out. I was like, "Am I in the right movie?" <laughs> well, it's not a film driven by black characters in the way that you want no. for other podcast episodes. Uh, right. Okay, I counted three though. Was there more? There was what the librarian, Andrew uh, McDonald. There was there was the like the the bookshop owner guy, right? Yeah. There and was then, um, uh, Google Mbathara and Audrey McDonald. You said her. So that's three. There are some. There are some others like just peppered into the crowd that I noticed. There you go. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> <Marcus>. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I wasn't invited on for the Sing Street podcast, or I don't know. We didn't do Street. a full review Sing Street podcast. <laughs> okay. So you're welcome. I like how in your that's like that was the whitest movie you could think of from recent years. That was off the top of my head. Oh. 
And that has, he has, there's a black, uh, the, the drummer, right? Is he, the, the, yeah, the, really like, the keyboard player, the keyboard player. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. This is important. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on from this. We'll see how much of that survives the edit. And let's get into, uh, <laughs> it's staying all in. Let's get into some show notes here. Um... <laughs> Uh, first up, let's see, a commentary track. We will be recording a new commentary track. Uh, we had a lot of options, given the range of movies coming out, but we're going with Lethal Weapon, because it is the 30th anniversary of Lethal Weapon, so that's going to be the uh, the commentary track of choice for this month, so get prepared for that one. That should be out probably there by the end go. of uh, the week you're hearing this podcast. And um, what else? Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings, it's good to get those. It helps out our show, helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now, Theron and Abe. Give us a star rating, that'd be cool. Give us a little review. That'd be even better. And uh, yeah. yeah, thank you very much in advance. For sure. So uh, let's get into it, guys. Let's get to some know everybody. Where each week we try to ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know everybody. Nope. That was that was spot on this week. That's good. That's good. I liked it. I have a question. Okay. If you guys were to be turned into an inanimate object, what would you prefer to be inhabiting? Hmm. The remote control. The remote control? You get people's yeah. dirty, grubby fingers on you all the time? <laughs> I would have full control of the television. Oh, okay. This is what I'm trying to go. Yeah. <laughs> I was imagining uh, running out of batteries and dying. and then. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, you know, well, it, based on the, good upkeep. Based on how this curse works, it seems like you never like, run out of it. Like, it's like, uh, what, Lumiere's like constantly losing his flame, they just like turns it on again. It's, yeah, you can yeah. light it back up. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like well, the battery thing's not those much solar remote controls or something. Hmm. <laughs> but they're always I, indoors. I like it. I, I, I like it. Clarifying um, question. <laughs> yes. Go, this, go into my premise. Does this, does this object have to be something that we are closely related to? Like, that we similarly look like? What are you thinking of that's outside <laughs> of this realm, apparently? No, I'm just thinking, like, well, you know, Lumiere has... I don't know gold accents. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the object that you are inhabiting is a part of your personality necessarily. Oh, okay. All right, sure. <laughs> so just anything. Yes. I I guess I'd go with a a USB a, a thumb drive. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, and you're gonna make one of mine. These, these are these are tech heavy so far. <laughs> David, what do you got? <laughs> I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> I Abe as a USB drive. <laughs> yeah. It'd be all like, Abe, tell, can you put all this information on you? He's like, no, I'm not big enough. Yeah, my storage is full. <laughs> there are downsides to that, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, you, you don't have enough RAM. That's the downside to being a USB drive for your life. <laughs> Okay, can I change mine? Sure, go for it. <laughs> what if I was like, um, like a portrait of uh, Martin Luther King or like Black Jesus? I could talk. I love the show Black Jesus. Yeah. So, so, so you just be like a painting hanging up, and you just kind of like constantly change your expression and like give advice. Yeah. All right. Exactly. I, yeah, I, I would I, have more control. As long as you don't like enrage the person oh, oh. that has said painting, and they like you know like you know drape you over like a edge and like break your painting in half or something like that <laughs> violent <laughs> um man yeah well would you would you be able to move about or would you just be like just on the wall no i mean i don't really move uh, about dang, i didn't even think about that david 
How can a USB stick walk around? How can a candlestick walk or a candelabra walk around? <laughs> what are it you hops. asking? <laughs> it hops. It's got a base. Whenever I'm looking for the remote, I can never find it. So I'm guessing it rolls around or something. I have an answer. Yeah, I'll switch back to that. I just realized. I just. Sure. I, re- I have an answer. I just realized. What's, what's your answer? Okay. I'll be a Lego minifig. Yeah, I mean that's like that's like the best answer. Yeah, I got you're arms and legs. Like a, a I, basically an Ant Man. That's the that's you're, the scenario. No, you're, you're basically you're basically from the Lego movie. I don't think Toy Story uh, applies to this. It's you know, because not, what like, you're trying to get. Don't tell me what my territory. premise is. <laughs> you don't even give it an answer, by the way. This this is a different Disney movie. What's your answer, smart guy? Um, I guess I guess I would be like a a beer stein or something, you know, like to, yeah, that, that'll work. I'd be running around but being full of beer, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. hopping around. Things that can happen with you. I I'd be always, uh, you know, and then he's like, oh, they used me to cheer someone. I feel so good. Somebody can't cheers you too hard, you might just crack. Yeah, that'd be bad. Oh, if you're plastic, I think, or, that, like, I think they're indestructible. All right. Beer steins are indestructible. Because look how look how like uh, I would you know there's beer steins in uh, Beauty and the Beast actually you know there's they're flowing That's true, yeah they like are. Gaston's probably constantly cheering with those things. Yeah, <laughs> they're just foaming at the mouth. And if he's not breaking, boom. Them. All right, hey, do you have a question? Right. That was a good question. question for you guys. Yeah. You kind of alluded to it earlier. Gaston can eat five dozen eggs. How many eggs do you think you could eat? Ain't nobody can eat fifty eggs. What? That's my cool hand Luke joke. Okay. Um, How many eggs can we eat? Is that what you asked? (laughs) Let's break this down. Be a little more imaginative. Give me, give me your best answer. Oh, well. (laughs) Actually, I actually hate eggs. So. Oh, Dave, missing out on everything that life has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect. It's the perfect food. Isn't that I what know. the Chinese guy said? Perfect food. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's from the commercial, the, the incredible egg thing. And that, that, yeah, I, uh, so. I forget it's, which it's either It's either got too much cholesterol or not enough now. I, don't, I can't remember where we're at. Oh, man. <laughs> so, anything, do you eat egg-related things? Yeah. I, I don't mind if they're beaten into a cake. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> where you can't taste them at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm fine with French toast, uh, but uh, so, yeah, yeah, eggs I mean, as an ingredient where you're not do- directly eating eggs. Yeah, okay. Just, yeah, I, I, get I don't it. know. I just it's so never. You're, it's you're not spongy, eating. Yeah, you're not even eating like one egg. So Gaston is just laughing at you. Okay. Yeah, he he's <laughs> inhaling those things. Yeah, yeah. he's eating five dozen. Miss- he he probably and he's in, inside his stomach. They're probably cooking into real chicks. He's going to hatch them out. <laughs> Biggest disappointment Inside. in the movie is the fact that we don't see that happen. That was, that was, <laughs> Especially in this live action movie, right? That's what I'm he saying. He just poops out live chicks. Uh, <laughs> it's a small village. He feeds the whole village. Yeah. Aaron, do you have an answer? 49 eggs. That's a lot of eggs. Ain't nobody can eat 50 eggs. So. Yeah. Cool I'm going to say four. <laughs> Dozen? Four eggs. Is this like one sitting or? Yeah, one sitting. Uh, like four. Four eggs. Okay. Like, are they, yeah, are maybe eggs? one. Maybe one egg white. Four regular eggs and then one. So egg. like three regular eggs and one egg white. <laughs> why? Why? Why the difference? I, um, that cholesterol thing got. I'm kind of a little scared. Right. Yeah, that makes sense to yeah, you. That makes sense. You eat four eggs, and then you're like, oh, my cholesterol. Let me have an egg white, please. Yeah, 
And let me kick it on all this oil. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, just keeping it real. That's why we love you, Barbie. Because <laughs> you keep it real. <laughs> Mine's the most plausible. All right. All right. I'm, I'm satisfied with these answers. Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's how you play. No, everybody. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's get down to quickies. Yep. Each week, I don't know. Even we talk about every week. Yep. That's good. I nailed it. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I rewatched Moonlight, and uh, it's a good movie. I, I I think that I enjoy, appreciate it much more on on repeat viewings. Um, and then uh, I also watched all of Sherlock season four because I hadn't seen it before. Uh-huh. And those are basically like four movies because I watched the Abominable uh, – I was going to say Abominable Snowman. The Abominable Snowman episode <laughs> where he and Watson are fighting on the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> the Abominable Bride episode. And uh, for the most part, I could see where people were kind of getting mixed bag reviews of season four. But at the same time, like all these people have have uh, exploded with, with fame and movies and stardom that uh, it'd be difficult for them to continue. So, of course, it makes sense for them to just be like, you know, let's, let's give them a good show. But at the same time, like, we don't really need to continue with this series. So uh, it was an all right way to end it, but uh, I certainly the, uh, the can Bat- still appreciate it has the, the way Bat- that it looks. The Batman Forever ending. Yeah, where they're running. Uh, that's exactly. I mean, we don't think. Oh, yeah. It's just that's like what it has. Like it's, really, it's like oh, it's well, Batman yeah. Forever. That's why. That's how it ended. That is how it ended. Yeah. Then that isn't that how Batman and Robin starts and also ends. No, they both end the same. Except Batman and Robin has Batgirl also it's in the Batgirl. mix. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. But anyway, yeah. season four is a mixed bag. But uh, if you're a fan of the series, then I'm sure that you'll you'll find it okay. It, it, like it comes that like the acting is stronger than the stories at that point. I think. Yeah, very much so. Especially episode two of season four. Yeah, uh, where Sherlock's drug-induced. Yeah, and Martin Freeman's killing it also. I mean, they're like the performances yeah. are, are grand in the in that show. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's what you know captured most people's attention. Like the stories right. are okay for the most part, and then they just you only do so much, which I think is what I mean, especially when you're making you know not like a series, but making basically three movies for yeah, one season. Yeah, they're all an hour and a half each, so yeah. they're basically just three movies. But yeah, they've all <laughs> Cumberbatch and Freeman. Have started, they've become you know giant movie stars over the course of this series. So it's like I yeah. don't really need them to come back to this over and over again. Well, you know, if they did another Smaug and Fro- and Bilbo thing, you're, sure, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. Not not an whole entire Hobbit movie, just Smaug and Bilbo. Like you just came over, he was like, hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just having tea one day, <laughs> invisible, or they're but like having tea. They're like carpooling to. To I don't know to Eisendor. No, that didn't work out for ABC. Carpoolers didn't work out. All right, Marcus. What other movies have you seen recently? Um, well, I was going to talk about uh, my love for the new show Big Little Lies, but you know I wanted to inject some color into it. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I this is already Beauty and the Beast, and you know we were talking. Uh, there was, there, I didn't expect uh, uh, Abe to bring up Moonlight, so I, I was going to talk about Accidental Courtesy, which is uh, the oh, documentary yeah. uh-huh. that I blew that kind of came out of nowhere and um, really, really struck me. Um, it's a documentary about uh, Daryl Davis. Uh, he's a middle-aged uh, black man, accomplished musician, author, lecturer who. Visits with heads of uh, KKK and white supremacist organizations to start dialogues with them, and with his long-term goal of being having them leave their organizations, mm-hmm. it brings up a lot of interesting 
interesting, interesting uh, 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 conversations about uh, not only about conversations with with opposing figures and having starting dialogues, but also about the disconnect between the millennial millennials in the African-American community and the middle aged in the African-American community. Um, That's what got me the most interested in this documentary was the latter half of this movie when he confronts people who are should be on his same side but they have conflicting views on how he's dealing with stuff don't they say that you should befriend clans members you shouldn't befriend them we need to wipe them out by force stuff like that it, it's a really it blew my mind it, it, it's a really spectacular documentary. Where'd, you, where'd you watch this it's on netflix oh it's on netflix it's now netflix. i saw it on okay. pbs first but it's on netflix now. okay yeah that's called accidental courtesy. Accidental courtesy. It's a it's a really and spectacularly made documentary. It's it's how I want documentaries made. Usually, you want to step back mm-hmm. and observe the character uh, without pushing them in any sort of direction. So, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. All right. Okay, David, what have you seen recently? You know, in light of the subject matter, I rewatched the original classic animated 1991 Beauty and the Beast and loved it again. It's a uh, it's been a few years since I rewatched that movie, but it's it's still really really perfect mm-hmm. and super magical. I mean, I love it. I love that movie. Do you put that high on your list of Disney animated films in general? Yeah, actually, I do. I mean, there's a lot of favorites. It's really hard for me to pick just one, but uh, that one definitely is up there. All right, I've seen a couple. I, th- I saw the other two new releases of the. I already saw Train Spotting, which I mentioned last week. T um, two, yeah, yeah, T two, Trudgment Day. Um, but, uh, <laughs> just, it, it, it's 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 better as a kind of a reconnect of those characters as opposed to a a, a new chapter in train spotting okay. as far as the what it's going for as far as the, the time um but i saw the other two films of the week uh first up song to song which is the latest terrence malick film mm-hmm. um, if you've been tracking Jeez. terrence malick's film since tree of life you've seen you've seen to the wonder and knight of cups and i would say this of these three films this kind of completes that like kind of trilogy unless he has somehow more of these movies that he's just because this one was shot like in 2012 and then like edited down from like an eight hour version of this movie so it's like eight hour version yeah so it's like i I don't know what random movies he's filmed with various actors over the years at this point because terrence malick has gone from you know reclusive doesn't make a film for 20 years filmmaker to i just have films in the can that i'm just ready to put out there now so like it's it's interesting to see him become so prolific in you know this kind of later stage of his career that said song to song it's about on par with knight of cups for me um it had it, this one has uh, michael fassbender ryan gosling rini mara and natalie portman and it's as where knight of the cups is about christian bale is this kind of like movie producer that was wandering around hollywood the central characters are uh, fassbender gosling and mara mara is probably like the technically the lead character although it's very kind of like it's a malik movie and, and in this kind of so it's kind of just floats around between the characters and this one's set in the music scene in austin that's the main kind of setting for this film where they're all musicians or music producers and if you've if you've liked these these later films from Ter- terrence malik as far as the kind of dreamlike quality they have of just following characters along and hearing them kind of have voiceover narration that's like reams of random poetry that you can't quite understand and that you can interpret later this one fits that bill as well I <clears throat> I would say it's it's interesting to watch, and that helps because Emmanuel Lobeski does the cinematography for these films, and oh, so nice. they look pretty okay. fantastic. Like just the way he uses lots of uh, wide-angle lenses and tracks these characters. There's 
and you know the environments they get into like there's a lot of great scenery which calls to mind something like i don't know days of heaven it's certainly for people that appreciate his kind of filmmaking sensibilities um i'd still say this along with the other past two films they haven't matched up to what i have enjoyed from malik in the past like i'm a huge badlands fan for example but even his other films uh, you know, Thin Red Line, uh, New World, what have you, Tree of Life, which is more or less is kind of magnum opus. Like those are, those work better for me than these ones do, but it's still interesting to watch a filmmaker like this do something that's wildly different from anything else you're kind of seeing. Okay. How, how many How many people walked out? 34 people walked out. So the, the, screen, the screen we were in, um, it was a mix of press and um, and like the sneak preview audience. And so what I'm guessing is that you're not like, you know, you're handing out flyers, people handing out flyers to a movie like this. So you're probably not handing out like, it's the new Terrence Malick joint because, you know, you love to the wonder, right? They probably yeah. handed out a flyer that says Ryan Gosling and Michael Fassbender and Rooney Mara and Natalie Portman are in this new movie. You obviously want to see that for free. And so, you know, you get in line, they go in and yeah, the much of the audience was not having the patience for this kind of movie. And so there was a lot How of long is the movie. It's like two hours and nine minutes. It's a, oh, okay. And you mean the guy that was in the Notebook? And it, yeah, it's, <laughs> Come on in. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it. Two hours and nine minutes. That feels that feels like every minute of that because it's Terrence Bauer. There's no, okay. there's, I mean, there's no like structure in terms of plot. It's just like, okay, here we are. These people who you really don't even know their names because until the credits, like it just doesn't try to explain <laughs> things to you. So I can, I can understand a lack of patience when you're not expecting a film like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's the other one? So the other one I saw was the Belco Experiment. Okay. Uh, this was the film we talked about the trailer a few weeks back, but uh, yeah. uh, James Gunn wrote the film, and it was directed by Greg McLean of um, Wolf Creek uh, fame, his horror director. And uh, I get like the the big tagline of this movie is like it's Office Space meets Battle Royale, uh, which is I mean that's essentially what you compare it down to. I'd say if you're a fan of James Gunn's like Super, um, where the humor is very bleak and the violence is. is is upsetting almost to a point because of how yeah, kind of, uh, super how, is kind of a, a dark comedy. It, well, yeah, it's very dark, but it's also yeah. when people get hurt, it feels like it hurts. Like as opposed to other you know, crazy violence, like something like like hardcore Henry from last year, which is like a video game. Like that, it, right. like the violence feels like nothing in that movie, which is a shame. Like in terms of like sensibilities, but it's like it knows what it's trying to do. This one, it feels like every time because it's a, an office that's tasked with killing each other. <laughs> um, there's a sense of dread there that works pretty well, and there's a level of dark humor there that works pretty well, and it, it, it could use more of that. It could use more kind of satire. I wouldn't say it's not hard to watch in terms of the movie you're going in to expect, but it, it's certainly like it, when people die in the movie, it feels like it counts. You have a lot of recognizable faces and character actors, which I, I was thinking about our Kong, our Kong review from last week when watching it, where it's like, you don't know these people, but there's an every you recognize all these faces, so you get a sense of who they are right away. So like right. you, you care to a point when they get eliminated, because you have like you have John Gallagher Jr. is like ostensibly the lead. Uh, you have Tony Goldwyn, Michael Rooker, John C. McGinley, who's like the the most evil character in the movie. By the way. Is he really? Yeah, he's the he's the worst of the bunch. Okay. And it's like you know it's all, it but it, it's a lot of things that you've kind of seen before in other films where it's like. You know, people being pushed to their limits as far as, oh, they're a pacifist, but now this crazy thing happens, and are they a pacifist? That kind of thing. And so it's like, I've seen that in other movies, so like, in terms of originality, you know, it, it's okay. Uh, what it accomplishes, it's it's fine. It's more of a... So you're saying it's a rental? It's a, yeah, and it's like, if, you, if you've if you missed seeing James Gunn's darker sensibilities because of, because for some reason you're not into the fun of Guardians of the Galaxy, then this is a return to that before you go back to Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 2. What I've seen, so that's how you, that's, uh, I don't know, quickies. <laughs> Damn. 
let's uh let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get a trailer talk. We talk about what the newest newest movie trailers of the week. What we thought of it. And what have you? And because we have the new Disney film, of course, that means there's a new Disney trailer out. Uh, so we have Coco, the upcoming Pixar film. Uh, I'm going to read the the IMD description here. IMDb description. It says uh, Coco follows a 12 year old boy named Miguel who sets off a chain of events relating to a century old mystery leading to an extraordinary family reunion. That's a, that's about as bland as a, as a description I can read, yeah. but there it is. Um, the film is yeah. uh, it's directed by Lee Unkrich, um, who directed Toy Story 3. This is his first film since. And uh, Unkrich. Unkrich. I like yes. saying Unkrich. Unkrich. <laughs> Fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's the, that's the the basic premise and uh so let's just get it david what'd you what'd you think of the trailer for coco i was really amazed by it you know like for years and years and years we've had pixar movies that were just kind of like "Eh, okay you know like i'll watch it but uh nothing that really uh soared home for me personally and um actually finding dory was actually the first pixar movie in a long while that was actually decent to me and uh and then, so this movie looks great. It's it's kind of a departure in in tone, it seems like, and it's exploring a different cultural background, and I think that's great. And I, I'm sure in this uh, certain United States, a lot of people are going to ban that movie just outright. But uh, uh, I think it's great. I think it's good that they're going with different things. It's not always about the the same things all the time. It's about personal family stories, and I think that's what will get people into the theater. I think it looks great. Marcus, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it looks great. I, I, I gotta agree. I, I like, I like most of, uh, what Pixar puts out aside from those cars ones. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I didn't really get the, the gist of what the movie was about, but I'm, I'm on board. I mean, them exploring the kind of uh, like, uh, the Mexican culture um, I liked the um, that little uh, 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 Vicente Fernandez kind of singer slash movie star guy that they have on there. I think that's like a cultural reference that hits spot on. Um, but the trailer, yeah, uh, it, it's not going to make me want to watch it. I'm going to watch it regardless. But yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I certainly think it looks like a good trailer as well. Uh, I think that one of the things that uh, amazed me. Uh, from the get-go was not so much like the color, but how how rich the color is. Because um, you've seen colorful Pixar and animated movies before, but for whatever reason, you know the way that uh, the the candles look, and for uh, when he's picking up some of these leaves that are golden, or I don't know what, what color you would describe them as, like burning red. I don't know, but um, it, it looks really rich, and uh, I'm I'm happy to explore those themes and these uh these sorts of movies but uh to david's point earlier about you know how pixar kind of seemingly goes on these personal journeys that, that kind of reminds me of um what was that short in front of it was like uh something with uh the super see, super team or Sanjay something like that. super team Sanjay super team yeah and that one was like a personal story from one of the the animators uh, um where that was like his, his his life growing up so he was able to bring that to the screen and i'm glad that they were that they're kind of going in this direction because, you know, you, you've seen a lot of changes in the animated film genre of uh, people kind of following Pixar's lead. And, and to some degree, you could argue that Pixar has kind of lost its first place. But, uh, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate that they take some of these challenges. Um, 
So we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see just because it's a new Pixar film. I like Pixar in general. Um, and what you're mentioning about the animation, I mean, it sometimes it shows more times than others, but I mean, there is a, you know, there's a level of increase in how proficient they are in animating their films and the kind of the the style and the the genuine quality of said animation. And yeah, I mean, it feels you know the I think it's the way the trailer is edited where it kind of slowly reveals more and more as far as the the color. The, the movements, the amount of characters, the environments that really kind of it kind of captures the attention. And I, I think it works here. I mean, it, it's very vague as far as details on what the plot is, but it certainly sets up that there's going to be, the, you know, a larger world explored. Uh, not unlike something we've seen, you know, previously. We saw, I mean, we take a lot of attention to being called the Book of Life. Um, the Fox distributed um, animated film that also dealt with, you know, similar themes. And I'll be... I'll be curious how that you know this film will have a you know have a different story than that one. I'll be I'll be curious what you know kind of sets them apart um, beyond just having the you know kind of thematics involved or similar thematics. But uh, no, in terms of what they're offering here from this brief look at it, it yeah, it looks like another uh, you know another another solid animated adventure. So I uh, look forward yeah. to seeing more from it. Coco arrives in theaters around November uh, November twenty uh, second. In time for Thanksgiving. Yep, thank, Disney's Thanksgiving feature this year. So let's move on, though. Let's get to our uh, let's get to our main review for Beauty and the Beast. Look, a girl. Who said that? Hello. <gasps> you can talk. Hello, of course. It's all he ever does. How lovely to make your acquaintance. Want to see me do a trick? What happens when the last petal falls? The Mastel remains a beast forever. And we become antiques. What did you do to it? Nothing. Get out of here! Go! That should have been the chum of the trailer for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Following the success of Disney's past couple live-action remakes that included Cinderella and The Jungle Book and even Psy Maleficent, um, the logical choice was made to take on one of their most popular animated films. Beauty and the Beast comes packaged as a dazzling musical experience with seemingly many right choices having been made. Dreamgirls' Bill Condon directs Emma Watson and Dan Stevens as the titular characters, with Luke Evans and Josh Gad stepping into the shoes of Gaston and LeFou, along with any other uh, recognizable actors as various you know, roles in this film. Lots of musical numbers and special effects take hold as we see the story of an imprisoned woman develop a romance with a cursed prince come to life. Let's start with Marcus Robinson. Marcus, are you a fan of the, the oh, animated man. film? And, oh. and what did you think of, uh, oh, yeah, of this film? Oh, yeah, I love it. What did you think of this film? Uh, sure, you want to start with me, uh... <laughs> I'm always um, okay so <clears throat> all right uh so uh i guess you could call me like a poor sport or a fun killer or something but i i, I thought this like as a, a movie goer I, I thought this live action remake was kind of completely unnecessary and pretty forgettable um i kind of likened it to that cinderella remake they did in 2015 which nobody remembers, but um, I, I love that Cinderella. By the way, I just kind of okay. I mean, <laughs> this, this this Beauty and the Beast um, it does have some moments of its own creation um, that work. Uh, the Cogsworth Lumiere stuff, the Ian Ian McKellen, Ewan McGregor, 
that they're really good here. Um, that stuff works really well. Other than that, I would say like 80% of this is uh, of what I liked here was from the 1991 version. Um, and everything else that was glommed on, there's uh, extra music, uh, extra songs that, that are, are pretty, pretty bad and uh, forgettable. Um, uh, Laflu is, is, is gay. I guess it, it works. He's, he's just such an uh, like a side side character that it really doesn't do much for the story. His story kind of gets lost at the end. Um, and I understand that that you're not going to have like Luke Evans eat five dozen eggs, right? There's got to be stuff that changes from the animation to the live action. Not happy but about that. The stuff that they <laughs> and the stuff that they exactly, but the stuff that they added on. Um, there's like a time travel part. And it just didn't work. Um, other than that, <laughs> I guess the set design was great. The choreography was 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 great in the musical numbers um for me the cgi was a little sloppy uh as far as the performances go emma watson was fine luke evans was fine dan stevens who's legion right he's legion yes um i, I don't i think he's kind of annoying because i think he's all, like 99 percent facial expressions but in this one just this facial recognition cgi character he did quite well my what I'm going to go back to time and time again, and maybe nobody will agree with me, but if I'm going to take kids, which majority of people are, and I'm going to take a bunch of people to this, why am I spending money to see this when I can just stay home and see the a version that's ten times better? Well, it's a good, good question. question. I want, and we'll get back to that. I think yeah. as we go on, but let's do, let's go to next to David because David, I'm aware that you were not excited for this film. Like you really was, dislike these trailers. Yeah. I, the trailers just didn't do anything for me because what they show you isn't the whole story. They're just showing you visually what it's going to look like. And visually, it just looked as bad as Maleficent. And Maleficent was actually bad. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, but considering that the, if they're, this is not a remake, really, of, or this is not a, they're not trying to do something from scratch, kind of like what the Jungle Book and Cinderella was closer to. They were, that was, they were, those were more of their own things with some loose ties to the animated films. This was a re like a readaptation of the original cartoons. So I was I knew that if they stuck to that movie as closely as possible, it will at least be 75% good. So despite it looking visually for me, it was uh, I knew that it was going to be at least pretty decent of a movie. Um, now after seeing it, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely better or maybe but maybe because because I had such low expectations, I thought it was really good, and I actually was moved to tears at one point. But visually, it still doesn't do anything for me. The beast design is awful. It's it's a knockoff beast still when I see it. And um, Emma Watson, I love. Ewan McGregor, I love, but not in these roles. These are not roles meant for them. Uh, I'm just so flabbergasted that they couldn't find an actual French actor who could sing and dance and play a, a legitimate Lumiere in this live-action version because Ewan is just skewering that, that accent, and I, I can't take it watching it. Uh, Emma Watson, I love her. I would marry her, but uh, she is not Belle to me. She, she played the part great. She played, but the singing is just not there. Just the 
that we came to this poor provincial town. Good morning, Belle. Good morning, Monsieur Jean. Have you lost something again? Well, I believe I have. The problem is I can't remember what. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure it'll come to me. Where are you off to? To return this book to Père Robert. It's about two lovers in Fair Verona. Sounds boring. There's parts of her character they made her kind of a... She's kind of a snob in her little town. You know, in the original animated version, she's charming, she's elegant, she just doesn't fit in. But she's not a snob or a, a bitch to anybody. In this movie, she's just like, oh, I'm too good for everyone here, you know? And she really is singing those lyrics, this, this poor little provincial town, I'm so above you guys. And she acts that way when she meets Gaston and he invites her to dinner, or he wants to go to dinner with her, and she's like, uh, I don't have time for you, you know? She's like, so it kind of turns, it changes her character a little bit and into something that isn't as likable you still relate to her because you know you're you know you're supposed to hate gaston but it doesn't it's not all there for me and the the new songs are actually pretty good the there's three songs one is um i can't remember but there's one new song that <laughs> yeah uh, that's around right <laughs> the beast sings the beast sings a new song right after he lets bell go mm-hmm. and it's a great song when Josh Groban sings it, but it doesn't quite fit in to that actual spot in the movie. Like editing wise, I'm like, you're watching, he's having this brutal moment and you just, I'm going to start singing. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. But uh, by the end of the film, they changed some of the things that were, you know, when the rose last petal drops in the original animated movie, they just stay that way forever. But this one has a more finite little, end to it like they're gonna just turn into these objects and die <laughs> mm-hmm. and and so that that completely changes how they should be acting in the whole movie because the beast wouldn't be so selfless and letting bell go if that was going to happen to his people he should be protecting them is like no 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 like let's get a whole bunch of people and rescue your dad let's you know what i mean it's a, it it changes the thought process for me and how I, this movie works is because in the animated movie, he really does love her and he lets her go. And, you know, if they just keep living that way, it's fine. But this one is like, I'm going to kill my all my people in my castle if I let her go. And I think that was kind of careless. And that's something that kind of bothered me a little bit. But overall, I thought I it, it's a really good movie. It just I just think it has some visual effects problems and some acting and singing problems. And I wasn't in love with Emma Thompson's portrayal of Mrs. Potts either. I just... I just loved Angela Lansbury so much. I think that's the one actor they should have pulled back for this one. Uh, but overall, I think it's a good movie with a few few nitpicks, but the original is still uh, the masterpiece that it always has been. Abe? Uh, as far as the 1991 Beauty and the Beast goes, I, I'm a big fan of it. I didn't watch it in theaters because I remember there was like an ultimatum given to me. I, either I can go hang out with my parents or go with my siblings to go watch it. And I was like, I'm going to go hang out with my parents. Um, so I never watched it in theaters. You're weird. You're weird. Wow. I was like, how old were we? We were like seven, eight? <laughs> and all seven or eight-year-olds yeah. hate sitting out with their siblings and love sitting out with their parents. This is true. <laughs> but, wow. Uh, so I didn't see it in theaters. I missed out on that. Um, and I, I've seen it since many times, and I still enjoy it quite a bit. So uh, I for, for this new Beauty and the Beast live-action version of it, um, I didn't really have many expectations because we watched the trailer and I didn't really watch anything else after that. So uh, going into it, you know, kind of neither high nor low expectations – 
Um, and that's kind of the case. I mean, it's an all right movie uh, and nothing really blew me away with it. I agree that the production design was great. I mean, I think the village and the cobbled streets and the costume design and uh, some of the uh, CG animation on some of the the, the, uh, the inanimate objects were, were pretty good. Um, but uh, as far as uh, the storyline goes, yeah, I, I don't really think that I was that enamored with some of the cutting of some of the songs. You know, um, I, I love Alan Menken's score, and I was able to basically recite all the songs in my head while the songs were going, so... Maybe that was something that uh, I shouldn't have thought about. Uh, meaning, there were, there were like, some lyric changes, right? Right, yeah, There's there were some lyric changes there, yeah. and some some cutting no. of like maybe some of the songs. Um, but uh, I was kind of bummed out that I, so to the I actually really like uh, three of the songs. One of them is Belle's reprisal when she's running out to the to the hilltop to go sing. Uh, I actually really like uh, the uh, the mob song. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, they didn't have Gaston's reprisal, uh, which I really enjoy, mostly because of the line of thinking. And he's like, that's a dangerous pastime. And he's like, I know. <laughs> um, but Yeah, for, they, well, they, they changed the whole reasoning behind it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't have a certain element that the 91 uh, one has. But as far as the acting goes, I was actually kind of surprised by Luke Evans. And I, again, I had no expectations, but I was pleasantly surprised that he was this, you know, this haughty character. And he was saying, oh, right, you know, surprising to me. Same thing with uh, Dan Stevens uh, in terms of uh, the way that he was able to hit some of these notes. I, don't, I was maybe he sang in his other movies, but I haven't really seen him in movies where he's been singing. When he was on Downton Abbey, it was just non-stop Stephen singing all the time on that show. <laughs> and in The Guest, I'm sure he sang to them before he tied him up. But uh, the, uh, This is Emma Watson and Dan Stevens' first musical. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, uh, they as far they're as not known for their singing. As far as the acting goes, I, I certainly thought that everyone did an okay job acting. As, as far as singing goes, I, I would agree that Emma Watson is the weakest of them, and that's maybe people were like, yeah, obviously because she's not a singer. It's like, well, you know, I don't think that Emma Stone is a singer either. But cast a singer that might help. <laughs> yeah, it was like Emma Stone's yeah, not a singer. Exactly. She did an all right job, like talk singing in La La Land. Um, but yeah, you cast a singer like Audra McDonald or something like that, right? Uh, where they are a Broadway star. Uh, uh, I did like some of the elements of the actors. That they uh, brought in. I mean, uh, not not so much the actors, but the, the characters. So I did like that LeFou was kind of conflicted uh, at some degree. I also liked that they actually gave some more backstory to the the prince um, because that was uh, something I kind of wasn't expecting, and I was pleasantly surprised by that. It added a little bit more to the story of why she would like this person, uh, and then they 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 expound on that. You know, they they actually have like a scene where they're together in a library, kind of picking out books. I would say that on the whole, it's I kind of feel like Marcus. You know, it's kind of a forgettable movie to me, uh, even though I enjoyed some elements of it. And I thought that it was just all right. There, there's just some parts about it that I just thought uh, the 91 version handled much better. In the end, uh, I'd say it's all right. Uh, two nitpicks. And this is just more for a theater going audience. But uh, if you have children that are like under seven, this is a two hour plus movie. And I don't think their attention span is that great. So there was actually a point where kids were just like getting up out of their seats in my screening and just like really not watching the movie. Um, and then the other part is like just uh, in terms of uh, David, you talked about like a sentimental moment or, a, a, you know, a moment strong enough to bring tears to your eyes. I, I, I did have 
something similar to that as well, which I thought was a nice touch. But when you think about the reasoning for it, which you did bring up as well, I was like, this, I shouldn't be this emotionally invested because, yeah, the beast should have really thought about what was going to happen to his people if if he doesn't fall in love and break the curse. So uh, it's just it's all right. It's completely fine. <laughs> completely fine. Yeah. Abe. Yeah. I'm on the same page as Abe where I, I think it I think I think it overall it accomplishes what it kind of, you know, do, needs to at the very least to be passable, but it doesn't do much more with the material that's given. Where and Marcus, you mentioned Cinderella. The, the Cinderella, I think, is a really was a really good example of how this format works because I I think that's a, that's an animated film that doesn't have too much going for it as far as like you know why we really need to see that if it was going to be like a shot for shot remake. But I think what they did with that film was really effective. I think they expanded that story. They gave focus on several characters that you don't have too much focus on, and it just looks very good as far as the production design goes and whatnot. So I think that was a and the I think the the glowing reviews and massive box office it made shows that I mean, but I think I'm just saying shot. nobody rem- nobody's going to remember that movie. You're saying nobody, but I think there's lots of people that do remember well. that Cinderella one. This, on the other hand, I think it, I think because the original is so revered, and original I mean the 1991 version, um, it's not the original, um, mm-hmm. but you know the 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 source material they're going off. I think because that right. one's so revered. Disney felt that it wouldn't have been a good the the choice to go away from what makes that movie what it is um, would have been you know would not have been beneficial. I think that was their logic. So they wanted to make this kind of a slavishly devoted remaking of that movie, shot for shot, while still being about thirty to forty five minutes longer. Even that's you know that movie's eighty four minutes, and this movie's over two hours. Um, but I don't think the results work very well to that extent. Like I. As much as I dislike Maleficent, I like the idea of it taking something and eschewing it, you know, giving it a different angle. Same with, mm-hmm. same with Cinderella or Jungle Book or even Peach Dragon. They're movies that they use the originals as kind of a template, but they go off in their own direction and it becomes more ambitious and more interesting for that reason. This, there's no ambition here. That was my main issue with it. It doesn't feel like there's any real attempt to do much more with that material. There's some... I, there's I, some there's they some, tried. Yeah, they tried. It doesn't some, work. There's some plot changes here and there and some, like, you know, song stuff and little... Th- I mean, again, it's, you know, it's almost, you know, it's around 40 minutes longer than your animated version. So obviously there's stuff that's yeah, happened but here. You have, you, you have one of the most beloved musicals and you're adding songs to it. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Door, we'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to our, our opposition views, but, but they, okay. Okay. But yeah, so the, the, the changing around of things, it only adds so much to it. Like the, I can, I can appreciate like adding to the Prince stuff like that, you know, as far as his backstory goes and like things that changed it like that, that actually works to the film's benefit. But yeah, there's additional songs and there's more backstory involving Belle and her family that just it just drags the movie down. What I think that works about the 91 version is that it's very efficient. Like it really gets to what matters most and, you know, it, you know, celebrates that very well. It, it gives a good highlight of what's working in the story and what needs to be emphasized. It also just works well as far as an animated film goes like it beating the beast. The 91 is not my favorite animated Disney film, but it's certainly, I think it's a very good representation of what, you know, a, a, what a perfect Disney film is as far as, you know, having, having the number of memorable musical numbers, having memorable characters, having, uh, you know, the, the fantastical element to it. I think it does everything in that realm, you know, exactly how it should be. Um, for this film, I think it shows why animation works really well and live action takes on it isn't always the best choice because you have things like Lumiere and the Cull Castle stuff, which I honestly didn't wasn't that into. I am telling you, this girl is the one. They must fall in love if we are to be human again. And how can they fall in love if she stays in our room? Hey, Chapeau, you missed this spot. I'm in 
she'll never love him. A broken clock is right two times a day, mon ami, but this is not one of those times. Stand up straight. It's time to sparkle! Hey! Mm, I have no taste buds, but I can tell this is exquisite. Oh! And that makes up a bulk of the story. So, like, you have, like, David, you already talked about the Beast. I thought the Beast's face was awful. Like, it's just, like, it was so distracting every time. It was hard for me to kind of get into this romance that's supposed to be happening because I kept thinking about how awful the CG Beast face was, where it's like, I really would have liked to see a, a makeup uh, prosthetic thing going on because that would, I feel like that was. Linda Hamilton style? Yeah, Ron Perlman, Linda Hamilton style. <laughs> but no, I think I think that would have been much less distracting to me because it'd be I could admire the fact that they made this practical effect that's really cool, which I no I have no doubt they probably could have done given the amount of makeup we've seen in various movies. Um, but here it's just like all right, for a movie that I assume had a really big budget, they didn't really nail the beast that well, you know, the the, the co lead in this movie, uh, and the castle stuff in general. Like when you see Lumiere and Cogsworth, I'm less thinking about how like you know fun it is to see. Ian McKellen and Ian McGregor and all these other people voicing these characters, and I'm more just concerned with how painful it seems to have them in this form now. It seems like it's slow torture instead of like, hey, that's fun. There's a can- there's a candelabra running around. Blah. It's more like, <laughs> oh, just kill these guys already. This looks terrible for me. Uh, it, oh, it, sad. It, 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 that's what it looks like. It just feels really sad watching them. And they're set in, the, and they're set in this really drab castle that I wasn't really... Like, there's moments where it comes to with like the books, the library, everything, but like for the most part, it's just a really kind of it, it's not very it, it's not really enlightening in the same way that well, the, li- the library seems to be the only place that wasn't cursed i guess apparently yes because everything else is just <laughs> gloomy it's everything it's a really <laughs> gloomy castle if we lift this, this ugly beast character running around in rags for most of the movie so it's like that stuff i wouldn't get into yeah. i did like the stuff in the town like i thought the town stuff really worked and at the, and that's why luke evans i think shines the brightest i think he's He's in a setting that's really, you know, comfortable as far as like it's 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 warm. It invites you, even if we're not supposed to like the town compared to Bell. Apparently, I think the town was far more engaging. And I think Luke Evans, who I was excited to see in this, because I know Luke Evans is mainly like a brooder as far as other roles he's taken, like Dracula, where he's just sitting around brooding the whole time. Here, it's like he has to play this boisterous, really vocal character, and he nails it. I really liked Luke Evans here, and I think he and Josh Gad had a great dynamic as well. I think they're both fun together. Like it was, a, it was fun to watch these two, and it's fun to watch Luke Evans stomping around in a bar as Gaston, like that. And I think the issue there is that they made Gaston too likable. Like I, I don't know. I the movie. I mean, it obviously it has to go through these plot machinations to make you dislike him, but early on, I'm thinking. What's so wrong with Gaston? Oh, he's just trying to he's fine trying to find a wife. I get I get it. Like, okay, you can't you can't force somebody to be your wife, but like I'd rather be with Gaston than worry about like this beast character that's locked me in a castle because my father dared to step on the premises. It's like that's a that's the, that's not the character I want to be with. But <laughs> he he stepped on the cabbage though. He stepped on the cabbage, yeah. He that really pissed <laughs> off the beast. True. But like no, I liked all this town stuff. I like Kevin Klein a lot as Maurice. I thought the if, if anything, I think they made him a, a bit better than the animated version of, as far as these characters go because he's less, like, overtly bumbling and more just kind of, like, aloof. <laughs> but he's still, but it's Kevin Klein, so it's, like, nice to see him have these kind of one, these one-liners and what have you. Like, there's a lot of that stuff that works. But, and, but yeah, the, the movie overall, it feels very long. The, uh, mm-hmm. the songs are done well enough. Like, I wasn't, like, horrified by the, the way people were singing or what have you, but the songs are done fine. It just it feels like a big... It's like a big like cover band of Beauty and the Beast for more than a you know like a real like we've taken Beauty and the Beast and did our own thing with it. It doesn't feel like that, which I think is a shame because I've I've mostly liked these Disney live action remakes. I've I've liked the direction they've they've taken. I like the 
you know, seeing filmmakers apply their style or what have you to kind of make something new out of something that was, you know, once beloved in its, you know, its own way. And this one, it just feels like, no, we're just doing a, you know, direct copy of the original and running with it, which I don't think was the best option here. Can, can I interject with your comments about Maurice? Yeah. Yeah. So the animated movie, he's, he's bumbling at, on purpose because yeah. he's later sent to the asylum by the townspeople, you know, because he needs to be like just off kilter enough that it's believable for these townspeople to like think that he's gone crazy. Yeah. Now, now that's not that that happens in a very different way in this version. So, but I, I feel like you know when you make him more sane, it's it's still it's it was nice. I, I agree that Kevin Klein uh, really did a great job with this uh, character, but you, it does change the story when you change the character in that sense. Yeah, I, see. I can yeah. understand that. But I think I, I responded most to Kevin Klein because I think that relationship was the best for me. I think that was the, the most intriguing, re- which I think is a it's a good highlight of the animated film as well. I just don't think it gets much attention as far as a father and daughter where there's sacrifices being made on both sides. I think that's a really interesting thing yeah. to explore, and I think this film does a good job with that. Yeah, I felt that the when you watch the animated movie again, it's, it's more of a sacrifice because Belle is... Um, she doesn't just push him out of the cage, you know, like she's in the, in the live action movie, she just kind of kicks him out of the cage. Like I'm going to trick you into thinking that I'm not going to stay. But in the, in the animated movie, she takes a willing stand to take her, his place. And I think yeah. that's, that's more powerful. To well, I, I think that speaks why the bell version, the animated film is better also. Cause I don't, I don't think Emma Watson was a great choice here. I think it feels, no. it's like one that felt like very, it felt on the nose. To, it it it's the same problem I had with with Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. I'm like, well, obviously. I mean, that seems like that seems too easy. Let's let's try to think outside the box. But they didn't, and they right. chose this, and it's like, all right, well, that's what I expected, and it's nothing special. That's what I feel yeah, like yeah. Emma Watson is here. It's like, yeah, all right, that you found a a young brunette actress to play this role that like seems to fit. It's like, well, yeah. yeah, that's fine, but you could have been with a legion of other ideas as far as someone that, you know, maybe a singer for one thing, maybe an unknown, so you don't have to put so much like weight on this person's show, like anything, but yeah, there we are. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the when the, oh my god, I just lost my train of thought. Oh no! Choo-choo, oh, wait, wait. coming oh. back around, here it is, <laughs> what are you going to say? Let's not talk about that movie. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> so, okay, so Belle is... Um, She's she's seen in one scene trying to escape. She's making like a little a little rope to get out of the yeah, window. Yeah, tying all the bed sheets and pillowcases together. So. And and Mrs. Potts is acting like this happens all the time. Yeah, like, I, uh, I, it's I, just like, I, hey, I, oh, it's a, you, you know, you just have some spot of tea, you know. She she should be acting like, oh my god, this is the girl that's gonna break her spell. I need to what, I need to keep her from doing. What, what part of, what part of the castle are you not supposed to go in? The West yeah. Wing. Yeah, the West Wing. That's why, because all the other princesses and people that bees captured the, the, their bodies are over there. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it was such a weird thing because I, I know that it's not supposed to be like, oh, there's m- been multiple instances of this, but yeah, Mrs. Potts was very very. Uh, nonchalant about the way that she saw the situation. Classic which I didn't think about, That's Yeah. Classic <laughs> which I didn't think about, you know, when, when I was watching the movie, but right when you said it, David, I was like, yeah, that, that's what was hiding in my mind. I was like, why is she so calm about this? Like, as if it's happened before. But Aaron, I do want to uh, echo your sentiments about Luke Evans. I said it too. But yeah, man, Luke Evans, I've always rooted for him, and I, I've always wanted him to have roles where it was like, you know, less brooding. Because I, I do think he's a good actor. You, you like, up, I, I don't uh, necessarily mind him as brooding yeah, characters. I, just, I think I think he's very solid in things. I just, yeah, I, I, I mean, like when to you see think him. about, like, when, if the listeners are, are thinking, like, well, what, where, when is he brooding? He's like, yeah, sure, Dracula, but he's brooding in Fast, fast 6? 
And he's also brooding in, in the Hobbit in movies. Hobbit like, movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one is like, he's very lively. And I agree with you that I actually liked this character, Gaston, uh, even though I know that it ultimately doesn't end well. But still, when he was on the screen, I was like, yeah, put put him and Dan Stevens in Les Mis. And I would have been like, oh, wow, this is, <laughs> yeah. this, is this is a really good <laughs> version of Les Mis. But yeah, he would have been a good, uh, what's Russell Crowe's character, the uh, the inspector? Uh, uh, he's um, uh, not Jean Valjean, but he's, uh, I forget. I'll look yeah, but, I mean, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, Luke Evans could have played nailed that role. Although he, yeah, I, it requires an older actor, I guess. But I, I can still, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. No, yeah, I mean, that's, it fits. Uh, I will say that um, when it comes to the beast design, I, I I thought it was okay because they were kind of just mod, mod or modeling it after the animated version. I do agree. No, with you. Oh, okay. no, they're no. It cha- they cha- it's more like a it's more like a big like a big goat in this version. Yeah. Interesting. I think they yeah, change, his, he is a they change his hands too, right? Yeah, his hands are like it's. His hands are different. I think I. I mean, looking like without him moving his face, I think it's fine. Oh. Like I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think it as all as a you know overall it's like a horrible design. I just think it's the watching the face be all cartoony just felt so. I, off I agree with to that. Me. It just. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's janky beast. It's this is terrible. <laughs> it's, it looks I agree nothing. With that. Nothing yeah. like the, the face. The face didn't. The face didn't look bad, but when he was no, the, the shirtless. Face. The the body looked bad. The body looked yeah. like he was wearing a bear suit. It definitely needed like another layer of like ren- uh, rendering. But um, uh, what, I agree what, with you guys that the face what, looks bad in in like dark light, especially because the castle is all dark. It's all like wintertime always there. Yeah. So it doesn't really like it, it did. It, it stood out a lot that it was like this. It it looks the worst in this scene, like when Belle and her father are there in, in the uh, in the tower, and then the beast is like shrouded. It's like this doesn't look great, and I know that a lot of people probably don't really care that much, but it really bothers me that it doesn't look that good. Well, it, I think it's it doesn't help that we're coming off of Jungle Book, which just won an Oscar right. for its visual effects for creating an entire That's world, and this yeah. had you know this has a similar budget is because it's you know the the big Disney you know next movie like it's huge. It's not Peach and Dragon, which is you know, more rules. modest in what it's trying to do, and that dragon yeah. I think looked really cool in that movie, but here. Yeah. I, it's just like I feel like you could have done a much better job with all of this, and it doesn't feel right. Like, and I feel like I'm probably coming down the hardest on the 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 objects, the various you know Lumiere and Cog and all those I people. Think, but I think Marcus is also there with you. I just I yeah, think I, yeah 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 I, I, I think the, the 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 thing that stuck out for me was the wolves. The the wolves scene were mm-hmm. they looked real real cartoonish, but like sloppy. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm used I after day after tomorrow. I'm used. To I'm, I've just accepted the fact that wolves are never going to look good in man movies. Like but then just... I, I thought back to the Jungle Book, and I was like, how does how does something like that look so good, and this look kind of, ugh. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't use the old Disney practice of reusing animation for this one. I guess that wasn't the. Uh... <laughs> it wasn't in the plans for the wolves. <laughs> yeah, Baloo shows up in a lot of animated movies back in the day and TV shows. But yeah, it's. Um, a, yeah, just seeing a lot. Like... I forgot two two nitpicks that I also had, which was the opening sequence where uh, the voiceover. I didn't like the voiceover in this movie, and the where it's telling telling you the story of the the background of the prince and why he got turned into a beast. And I, it, it felt very TV movie to me, uh, like a modern retaking of it uh, and making it hipper and cooler. Uh, and then I also didn't really enjoy that it felt like a TV movie at sometimes. Um, you know those productions that you saw back in like the early two thousands. I get a sense of that. Like I felt, I felt the the in the the cinematic portrayal going the on here. Like I, I never, I never, I never, you felt better. I never, I never felt like it was you know 
cheap looking essentially like i never got that sense i just felt it wasn't as done as well as it could have been in some scenes i, I, I do think like big crowd scenes i think those really worked i think you know like the big opening town number regardless of the singing qualities i think the kind of staging of like even though it's it feels the most like a giant set has been built to show these characters. It still felt like this is what this is what a cinematic musical would look like in this kind of in this fashion. Who's the there was the one guy that like the townsperson that looks just like um, Kelsey Grammer, and that kind of bothered me. It was Kelsey Grammer. I'm kidding. <laughs> the boss himself. The, boss the guy, the, the town, the town guy that uh, makes. I think I know what you're talking oh, town about. Town guy. Tony? Yeah, it was like, and it made me go like, <laughs> is that is that Kelsey Grammer? But it was, it, it definitely wasn't. I, don't I think I know who you're talking about. It, it was, it, uh, there was one guy in the town that also bothered me. I was like, who is that guy? Um, and it later turned out to be, you know, an actor I'd never heard of. But uh, <laughs> also, <laughs> also, I have a problem with Emma being ingenious enough to make a donkey laundry machine. Uh, that, that that that's a Your father's an inventor. Well, no, he's not an. Know. He's the inventor this time around. They changed that. He's just like uh, builds clocks yeah. and stuff. Like he's a, he's a fixer. Oh, he's a fixer and a nostalgic guy. Can I ask you guys a question? No, moving on. Uh, uh, no, yes, you guys. <laughs> what did you guys think of the casting of all these high-profile stars for ultimately like not even a, a large screen presence like Stanley Tucci, oh, yeah. Audrey McDonald, uh, Stanley Tucci bothered me. Uh, that one bothered me because okay. I thought, you know what, I, I I saw him in the very first scene, and then you don't kind of, you really don't see what they turn into. But I thought he was Lumiere, and I was like, oh wow, Stanley Tucci can do anything. He's he's such a good Lumiere, and then he wasn't Lumiere, and I was like, oh, he's the piano or something. I mean, yes, and I was the piano. Just, I, I mean, I, I feel like so. the the aggressive marketing campaign let me know who everybody was over the past couple months. I wasn't really confused by who was who. I was but, confused. Okay. I mean, I saw Stanley Tucci using a piano, so I wasn't really convinced that he wouldn't be a piano in this movie. I, d- I didn't pay too much attention to that first scene. I guess I should have been writing <laughs> stuff down. I mean, you saw Stanley Tucci, what he was doing was playing piano. Like, that's what he was in there. He was sitting, playing the piano. He was sitting on the piano next to Andre McDonald. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, even I didn't realize it was Stanley Tucci while I was watching the Cadenza guy until, like, later on in the movie when he becomes Stanley Tucci again. I'm like, oh, that was that guy. It's like, I yeah. didn't know they would be married. I just thought they were singing together. That was their jobs. <laughs> as far as your question goes, as far as your question goes, I don't, yeah. I don't mind it. I mean, it's, it's people being cast as a voice for these people. Like, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't know. What, I'm not supposed to invest much in it beyond the fact that, like, hey, it's these animated things come to life now, and there yeah. you go. Uh, and another thing, I was wondering, like, how many servants does he have that are just beautiful, attractive women? Wouldn't, couldn't they just fall in love with the beast during the whole time and just, you know, break the spell? Or does that have to be someone new? I think it has to be beast uh, human love. Okay, bestiality. <laughs> I think it has to be. I think it can't be beast candelabra love. Okay. I think well, so I mean, part of what they change in the with the curse thing is that they make all of these thing, all of the, like his servants and stuff, like implicit with the beast, with with the prince, right? As far as like how he acts. Like they all kind of take their own. Uh, okay. They all like. All right. They all like because like Mrs. Potts even has a whole thing. It's like I, I should have you know done better to raise this raise this guy. Right. And oh, I see. Yeah. Like, oh, it is her. She fault. punishes everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well, that, that's what I'm saying about the what, what like the backstory of the prince. I think is a little effective where they they because you know watch watch the animated as much as I like the animated version obviously more than this. I mean it, it's pretty like so he just. 
he just dis this 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 woman and like she just turns him and everybody in the castle. It's like they they kind of bring the whole castle into it, which is well, why, th- yeah, that's the, why, that's, why that's I like the opening me. more. I think it gives more gives more cause to why things are playing out the way they are. Actually, I don't like that more because it makes it, I saw it as like, hey, this spoiled Brad is throwing a pretty cool party. <laughs> It's like, he's not that bad. Yeah, but everybody in the castle is a spoiled brat. Like, that's the thing. Okay. Which is why, yeah, which is why I think well, it I didn't, didn't take her rose. Yeah. I didn't get Follow-up that. question that's sort of related. Lesson learned. Why is it that some of the townspeople were not turned into it, even though they, like... What? It, it seems they like didn't the work, no, they didn't the, work They didn't all work the in the castle. Yeah, the servants are working in the castle. I thought that they kind of were... They, they lived there and didn't have any families outside of it. So I was surprised to see them reuniting... All of a sudden, you saw, and you saw like, some of them. Like there, it's not all of them. Oh, like you, you Mr. Saw, like, Potts, yeah, Mr. Potts, Mr. Kent Cogsworth, Mrs. Cogsworth, and I don't maybe one more. But yeah. I thought that it was weird that that those people weren't in the castle as well, and they weren't also inanimate objects. Not everybody has to work at the castle. Anyway, it's also it, well, it, the, the, you bring bring up your your question makes another question is in that like in the past, how many years that they were under a curse? Did nobody else stumble upon? This castle. Well, that was it, the, that was part of the curse. That's I think that was part of the, what they implied. People that forget the, that they were the, married. Yeah, it was like it was making there, it, but, it was uh, Maurice being the first one who who stumbles upon it being chased by wolves in the past 11, 12 years. Uh huh. Well, the the, is, the tree hits the lightning hits the tree. So it's I, fortune, it's I think what you're supposed to because they bring that they bring that enchanter. She's like a she's a bigger character in this film, and I think oh, I think she's I think she's rooting for the beast. Yeah, she wants she wants the curse to actually be solved. She's not doing it just to be like, well, if you're screwed, you lose kind of thing. Like I think there's there's some intervention going on to actually make something happen. Like is which is you know here's ten years of punishment, and now we're gonna actually get this thing going here. All right. Well, wouldn't that be funny? If, uh, <laughs> If Gaston really had a wife and she worked at the castle and she just finds him dead, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a dark ending. <laughs> like everybody's reunited except for Gaston. <laughs> Remember, I had a husband. Yeah, and he's flat. He's just on his pavement now. He's yeah. Uh, he's he's gone. <laughs> there's another. There's another aspect of this ending that I read about with Bill Condon in an interview where they uh, had um, when they're all turning back to human. There was originally supposed to be a, a, it might be in a deleted scene or something, I guess, but there was supposed to be a, a scene where Stephen Merchant apparently played the toilet in the castle. <laughs> was there even a, a toilet that I saw? Well, that was it was, it was like a, it was a surprise because of how 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 obviously terrible that situation would have been. So like Stephen, yeah. Like apparently, what? like there's like Josh Gad is supposed to like hide in the in the water closet at some point, and then like at the end of the movie, like he'd, he'd come out and he'd be Stephen Merchant who was playing that the toilet, and like you'd be horrified of all the things that he had to do over the. Years. Oh man! Well, that, that, I mean, was, they that went, was in the kind of, they, trailers. That was in the trailers. That was in the kind of trailers. They kind of went far with the dog character when the everybody kind of groaned when things were turning into. Uh, 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 they're inanimate objects again. Uh-huh. Uh, people groaned when the dog kind of plopped on its back as the stool. Uh-huh. Uh, that, they kind of went bother. there. They, I, I don't see why they couldn't have had a toilet. It would have been a toilet. That's gross. That's why, that's, that's why they would go there. Yeah. I, I mean, different. That's a push the limit. Abe, what were you asking? I think that. I was going to say that uh, one of the things I also liked about the Beast uh, was that uh, in, in terms of the dress and whatever else, I, I appreciated that they gave him his gray sweater when he's brooding because uh, that was a nice touch. That was just something I remembered from the animated movie 
that I was glad that they carried over to this live action one. I was like, oh, he's got his gray sweater on. Like, okay. <laughs> Did you guys notice that gray sweater? No. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I wouldn't put too much emphasis on it, but I get what you're saying. No, that, was just, that was just like a little thing. I was like, oh, okay, all right. I guess they, they, they watched the 91 version and were like, let's give him his gray sweater. Bill Condon is wiping sweat off his brow right now. It's like, oh my god, I'm so glad somebody noticed the sweater. (laughs) (laughs) That gray sweater. You're welcome, Bill. (laughs) The effects people were like, no, this is like really this is the hardest million dollar reshoot. I like when the Beast made that giant snowball and nailed Bell in the face with it. I thought that was the most authentic part. No, what I loved about that scene is like they didn't have any follow up. Yeah, it just cut away. That was it. That was the end of the scene. Cut to the next scene. It was just like. No, no asking. Wanted to see concussion? Big snowball. Yeah. yeah. It was a reverse, like, you know, scene where Beast is trying to take care of her, and she's like, that hurt! (laughs) (laughs) Any other thoughts on Beating the Beast? Uh, Unless you want to talk about the extra songs. I mean, I don't know how much to say about the extra songs. It speaks for itself right there. I honestly don't remember them, and, and actually, David's like, the only reason why I'm going to remember one is because David said Josh Groban sang it, so I'll guess I'll go back and listen to Beast's song, but I, I really don't remember any of the new songs. I think, also, that's what, that, I think that's the thing. Like, you don't remember them. Like, they just added on an extra 20 minutes. All right, so there's there's three songs. One is called How Does a Moment Last Forever. That is oh. freezed maybe two or three times in the movie because it starts with Kevin Klein singing it uh-huh. when we first introduced to him. And then it's a, it's actually a little touching moment because it's he's trying to remember his his wife and mm-hmm. Belle's mom, and then she sings it later um, when they're in Paris and she's showing the Beast. This is where I grew up, and it's like there's a little it's it's a soft it's a nice moment. Um, and then the the second song was Days in the Sun, and that's when all the the, the castle servants are singing about the days they have lost it's kind of the new movie version of human, human again, again which, yeah um and it's it's all right it's uh it's not bad of a song and then evermore is the song that the beast sings and um it like i said before i don't think it fit right in the movie but it's a good mm-hmm. song and when josh groban sings it that's like okay this is how it's supposed to sound that this is one how you sounded do it? like it was from lee Miz. yeah Hmm, okay, I'll give it a listen. Your, your explanations of the songs were better than listening to the songs. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> so, uh, one more moment I thought I was – this is stupid, but I thought when the dog turned in, back into a dog, the stool, yeah. mm-hmm. that would be funny yeah, that's... if it didn't – if it wasn't alive because dogs don't live that long or <laughs> – no, See, that's where they're, they're under an enchanted curse. That's where there was like audible groans from the audience that were like, "Oh man!" And then when the dog popped up to life, people were cheering. Like, wow. So by that logic, Chip should have grown, been like a grown man by the time they. <laughs> that would be hilarious. It's like it's like the it's like the controversy around X twenty three right now. Can she grow up because her skin is her her bones are fused with adamantium? So the same question with Chip. He's like, can he grow up? He's like, he's a cup. Like, he comes walking out. It's like Nick Frost. He's like, hey, mom, it's me, <laughs> Chip. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Nick Frost in, like, really, really tight pants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <All right>. man. <laughs> we created a great uh, version for for uh, Funny or Die. Okay, so I guess we talked sufficiently about Beauty and the Beast. When should people go and see this movie? Abe? Uh, given some of the issues I'd had with it, I'd say Dollar Theater. Marcus? 
Um, yeah, don't go to the theater. Uh, wait for Netflix or DVD. David? <laughs> I liked it enough that I, I would suggest that if people love Beauty and the Beast, they should just go see it for themselves because I did like it. I just have more issues with it after the fact. The original, right? Just go see the original? <laughs> go see, Yes, go see the original. And if you want to be comparison... If, if you like comparisons, go see it in the theater. If you have another two and a half hours to kill. <laughs> yes. I'm in the... Because I, I, I think we're all straddling the line. Some of us are higher on it than others, but we're all kind of in the same basic space. But I... I think for for huge, it's hard to say for like huge fans of Beauty and the Beast where they see it because it's like well some are gonna like like it some are really not gonna like it because it's not that thing or it's just that thing done this way which is less good as the other thing. But um, I would say I guess I would say Dollar Theater. I know like the IMAX version like expands the screen and whatnot. Like I'm always a fan of that kind of thing with like a mm-hmm. cinematic presentation. But I don't think you should be spending IMAX money on this movie. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, by I, the way, did anybody see this in 3D? Did we see? No, we didn't see it in 3D. Okay, no, just we, curious. No, no. Just, uh, there, there are obviously moments no. in the movie that were like, oh wow, I wonder what this looks like in 3D. I would, I would, I was like, I mean, I was the, the castle stuff too drab for me. It was like, it'd be too dark for me to like, and that's you know, 80 percent of the movie, so I would, I'd be just annoyed by the 3D. Like something like Jungle Book, which is bright and fun and really uses that to its advantage, I think works. But like here, okay. it's like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all right. It's Beauty and the Beast. That's Beauty and the Beast. That's what we've talked about it. We can move on now. Yeah. <laughs> that Luke Evans is great, though. I think Luke Evans is a great I, job. I, That's I all I got to say. I, I, I listened to the soundtrack again on Spotify, and I was like, I like this Luke Evans gay. If he comes back in Furious 9... 8? <laughs> oh. Well, he's not in 8. So if, he comes, if, it's a, if it's a Shaw family reunion, eventually, since like you have Jason Statham and him, and now Halen Mirren's going to play his mother in 8. Like, Are you serious? Yeah. Oh man, I have not been keeping up with Furious Eight news. <laughs> Can't wait for Furious Eight, but um, it looks just like Fate. Like yeah, F8. The, yeah, because yeah. Vin Diesel's a huge pun fan. Fate. <laughs> Is he fate really a huge furious. pun fan? Vin Diesel's like Vin Diesel's like producing these movies. You don't think he's looking at the Fate, the Furious? That's uh, great. Ha ha ha! Dungeons and Dragons for life. Like that's what he's saying. Way, this. <laughs> side side tangent about Vin Diesel. I was listening to How Did This Get Made, and uh, they were basically saying like Vin Diesel loves singing. And he basically posts all these Instagram uh, things where he's in an, an actual recording booth singing these songs. And I was like, this is the, the creepiest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Vin Diesel singing like Rihanna songs and whatever else. I was like, this is incredibly unsettling. A grown man with two kids. A married man with two kids. Anyway. Thanks for that diversion. <laughs> what I'm Please saying continue. is that when Luke Evans gets out of his coma in the Furious universe and comes back yep. i hope he's like singing and dancing luke evans now <laughs> he and jason <laughs> Statham, like hanging out him and cast him in more roles that are that are uh you know just well yeah now vibrant. he's got he's got that disney money so now people are going to be like putting him on their list for other things so yeah you can you go. go on to something different let's move, on now. Part three. let's move on <laughs> let's, let's get to our sponsor real quick audible books you listen to them they're great Audibletrial.com/podcast. you can download a book from audible Put it on your MP3 device. You can listen to it. It's probably pretty good, depending on who you listen to. And you can check out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it. But you can keep that book that you download for free for free at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. <laughs> so be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. All right. Enough of that. Let's move on now. Let's get to our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Here's where we go over some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. 
where we uh, asked a number of questions to you guys uh, about you know various things involving this movie and other releases of the week, and you gave us some answers. Then you were crazy enough to give us some questions, and we'll try to answer them later on. <laughs> so let's uh, start this one off. Um, first question here is, favorite Disney princess? Matthew writes Rapunzel. Philip writes Belle. Adam writes Belle. Manish writes Belle and Rapunzel. <laughs> okay. And uh, Justin writes Moana. And Chris writes Moana. A lot of Belle love here. And Rapunzel, apparently. <laughs> Are we talking about Mandy Moore Rapunzel? Is there another Disney animated Rapunzel movie that you can think of? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> thought it could have been a masterpiece, but it is safe. What? Talking about Tangled? What happened in the last Tangled. few minutes? The... Uh, just the part where she decides to cut off her hair. Uh, it grows back. It does, but I thought they were going to go with something really bold. Uh, something like, like a bold, but they didn't go that, that bold. Uh, anyway... Do you guys have any, anything to add to the uh, favorite Disney princesses? <clears throat> Little Mermaid. What's her name? Ariel. Ariel? That's a good pick. I like Belle and Jasmine and Rapunzel. I like a met, met mix of them all together to create the perfect princess. <laughs> I'm going to ship that to you for your birthday. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Next question we ask everybody, who is your favorite Disney hero? Uh, Manish writes, I latched into <laughs> Aladdin because he's the closest I got to South Asian. Disney Prince. Technically, he's from Saudi Arabia, I think. But, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying from there, Manisha. Agrabah, like, yeah. which is, yeah, okay. It's, it, well, we're not really sure where Agrabah is, right? <laughs> well, there's an Agrabah it's more Middle Eastern Jordan. Um. Okay. And then uh, Chris writes, uh, for me, the 1930s and 40s Mickey Mouse. He was truly badass. Definitely my hero. So he's talking about, like, the good old steamboat Mickey there. That's early. And, <laughs> oh, is it? Is that 20s? It's like 1928. 20, yeah. Oh, wow. Not by two years. <laughs> Uh, any, any favorite Disney heroes for you guys? Nobody mentioned uh, Hercules. He's a zero to hero. <laughs> <laughs> and great songs. Those were, there were great songs in that, in that movie. I would also say Prince Philip from Sleeping Beauty was awesome. He got stuff done. Yeah, yeah dude. That guy's battling like giant evil mother-in-laws. <laughs> Maleficent wasn't his mother-in-law. <laughs> I know. Um, next question we ask everybody, who would you ideally want to cast in a live-action Disney remake of your choice? Manish has uh, Gugu Mbatha uh, Ra as Tiana, and every Disney princess would love to see her as Belle, Anna, and Snow White. Uh, Jason has Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch as Jafar and Aladdin. I added his middle names in. Thank you. Uh, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy the Irons as Scar and the Lion King, and The Rock as Genie. Benedict Cumberbatch is just whitewashing the role right away here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking about his like facial hair that he grew for uh, for Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, and he's like, yeah, maybe that that fits Jafar. Uh, <laughs> and lastly, Jay writes, uh, "The Rock has Gaston and the Beast, so double role there." Dual role? Wow. I'd be I'd be I'd be so intrigued by The Rock playing a dual role of the Beast and Gaston. <laughs> I would, yeah, yeah. Hey, there's Bandy for Saturday Night Live, and that was good. Like that's <laughs> ambition right there. Cast a dual dual parts as as both the villain and hero of the movie. <laughs> There's a especially there's a, on that last the final scenes. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a Screen Junkies interview during the Moana days where they interviewed The Rock and they had him read uh, some dialogue from different Disney movies and they actually put his head onto those clips. Uh-huh. Uh, so if anybody's listening wants to see Gaston, uh, The Rock as Gaston, you should. Uh, I'm gonna check, check that out. Look that one up. All right. Yeah. Next up, we have favorite vocal performance in Disney in a Disney Studios film, not Pixar. Uh, Manish writes Paige O'Hara in the 1991 Beauty and the Beast. Chris writes Robin Williams in Aladdin. And Jay writes um, Jeremy yeah. Irons as Scar, no contest. 
Mm. I said, I think I just said just last week that I think John C. Riley might be like some of the best casting ever in a Disney movie for Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, I think it's a gr- I think it's a great character for one thing. I think his voice so perfectly suits what that character is. I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head for the uh, the, the Disney Vault uh, movies. Um, Jeremy Irons is Scar. I, I, mean, I don't really the know who the voice of Baloo like is, but I've always enjoyed Baloo. Uh, so. <laughs> Whoever, whoever uh, Phil, Blue. Phil Harris. Yeah. There you go. I love Phil Harris. Because like, I love Blue the Bear. And then the not as well well performed by John, John Goodman. Goodman in the sequel. I forgot that John Goodman was the voice of Blue in the sequel, actually. Well, yeah. Most it's people like, aren't hey, thinking Sol- Jungle Book Sully 2. Sully is a Blue now? It's, yeah. it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But not bad. I, I, I didn't really mind uh, uh, Bill Murray as Blue and. The way to shape that character is a little different, so I think it, it works. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, Phil Harris, good job, sir. Well, next question. James Earl Jones. James, James Earl Jones and Mufasa. There we go. That's a, oh, oh, yeah. Boom. There, we go. Yeah. there you That's go. That's it. He's so, he's so good they can't replace him for this new live action one they're doing, so they cast him again. So They like, cast him again? Yeah. <laughs> That's what That's what David was hoping would happen with Mrs. Potts. Did they bring back uh, the guy from... Uh... Home improvement. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, no, they got they they got <laughs> um, they got they got um Donald Glover. He's gonna be a Simba. Is the Simba? Yeah. No, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. JTT is a MIA. He's, he's busy doing all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, I think okay. I think Disney is actually doing a more of a advanced progressive casting for these live action remakes, which is great. Yeah. Uh, favorite Danny Boyle film. Another Train Spotting two coming out this week. Chris writes, 28 Days Later, Train Spotting, Shallow Grave. 28 Days Later, Train Spotting, Shallow Grave. Ah, can't decide. Basically, one of those. Uh, um, <laughs> Philip writes, Slumdog Millionaire. I mean, I would say Train Spotting. That's probably my favorite Danny Boyle. Train Spotting is pretty good as far as his recent stuff, 127 Hours. And I also enjoyed Steve Jobs. It was like my favorite that was movie. Your number one movie of the year. I'm just going to say that first. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I mean, Danny Boyle certainly has a, a, an aesthetic to him when he directs. I'm, yeah, I'm a big Danny Boyle fan in general. So it's like it, it, he has lots of great ones for me. Yeah. Um, and and I do did like he that. Did Millions as well? He did that. Millions? Yeah, he did Millions. He's like he's this journeyman filmmaker. He's done so many different types of films, and I really like that. Like he and like Ang Lee kind of fit that same bill where they've done all over the place as far as genre goes. Any favorite Danny Boyle films from uh, David and Marcus? 127 hours. I'll go with that. Okay. <clears throat> he should do a Disney movie though. He'd do, he'd be great at a live action Toy Story. Like, is there? Can there be like a train spawning animated? <laughs> yeah, that'd be Oliver and Company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question we ask everybody here: uh, favorite film set mainly in an office environment, uh, in light of uh, the Belko experiment coming out. Chris writes the apartment? Question mark. Yeah, that fits. I mean, I think it's because it's. It's, it's there's an apartment that's involved more than the office but the office stuff is certainly there yeah, yeah. and then uh, Tyler has uh, does last shift count being a police station that is uh, yeah sure why not it's an office type setting even though it's a police station but you're it's an office environment anything from you guys uh, favorite office, office space yeah that's kind of the first one that came to mind not like the only one <laughs> there's a good number there's, um, there's a lot of Office-related movies, but yeah, that's the first one that came to my mind as well, Marcus. Office space, it's, it's, it's it. Uh, and last question we asked everybody, what is your favorite Terrence Malick film in light of uh, Song to Song coming out? And Jason had, Jay writes, uh, The Thin Red Line is the one that I hate the, the least. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> Chris writes the thin red line. So a lot of thin red line <laughs> remarks this week. I feel Marcus like those Lee? are the only ones those they've seen of Terrence Malick's awful movies. Marcus, were you were you a were you a Two the Wonder fan? Um, you know, it wasn't bad. I was a big Tree of Life fan. And yeah, yeah, I remember that. I feel like there was some kind of big debate about Two the Wonder that involved like you and maybe Mark Holman or something at some point. No, okay. nah. it was it was it was fine. I thought it was fine. I thought you know, I, I my my thinking is that he made. Ten years ago, he made a bunch of movies, and they're just coming out now. He made like a hundred hours of filmmaking, and then he just drips and drabs now. So mm-hmm. they're all the same movie. I am a fan of Malick as a whole. I do think To the Wonder is certainly a that, that's such an that's such an interesting kind of experience to, to kind of take, especially in a theater that, to kind of take into. You like that one better than Tree of Life? Uh, <clears throat> to the Wonder. I said, did I say To the Wonder? I meant Tree of Life. If I said To the Wonder. Tree of Life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was the question that you guys asked us. Yeah. Now we got some. We got oh, one. I'm sorry. That was the question that we asked you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Now you, we got a question from from uh, Jay. He asked, "Which Disney, which classic Disney animated film would you would would you think makes the worst live action adaptation?" So what would be hmm. a terrible idea as far as live? I mean, I would I probably would have said Peach Dragon, but that turned out pretty well. <laughs> that actually turned out pretty well. Yeah. Um, Song of the South. <laughs> which which is a movie that they they hardly market anymore. What would be the worst? That's, wor- that's seriously be- locked in the Disney vault. <laughs> is that, that's kind of live action. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a it's something same with like Pete's Dragon and Mary Poppins are like hybrid. You know, I, I actually think that that Fantasia would be a, a terrible live action anime. Yeah. <clears throat> like you, with I the, think Dumbo would be a bad. One. Dumbo? Are they making a Dumbo? Tim Burton's making a Dumbo making, one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Aaron, you mentioned that like you know sometimes the cartoon versions of things they can show you much more range, and yeah, Fantasia everything is like an inanimate object dancing and doing these fantastical things. So there's a variety. I mean, I mean, I love Fantasia. That's one of my favorite Disney animated movies in general. Uh, Like, I'm I'm very much a big fan of Fantasia for all of all things. But um, I just don't know what you do. I mean, it'd be like I don't know what you do with it besides making completely new you know, kind of live-action CG creations out of new classical music. So, I, I mean, I think there's there's a way to do something like that. But, yeah, making, like, a direct adaptation of Fantasia as far as taking, like, you know, Baldur's Mountain or The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which they made into a movie. <laughs> I mean, this... With, be, with Nicolas Cage. With Nick, Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, what if they use new songs? Like that, That's what I'm saying. I, I think there there's, there's probably a way to do it if you were to take new classical music and, and set it to some kind of thing, call it, you know... No, but just, like, some Justin Timberlake. <laughs> oh. Oh, so, so we're just out of classical. We're just using song yeah, and putting it to Fantasia with that. Some some Bruno Mars. Oh, yes, Mark. I think that would work. All right. I think the worst the worst possible movie you can make remake live action. I think would be Emperor's New Groove because I love that as a cart. It's a great cartoon. I don't think it would translate into live action well at yeah, all. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, that would be because yeah, it would take away a lot of the the kind of the irreverence that works about that movie. We also asked about like really good voice actors. John Goodman's good in that role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. That's you. as like the uh, the sidekick guy. He'd be the one thing that'd work. Like no one wants to see David Spade live action running around with a lava <laughs> face. <on> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. David Spade doesn't need more work. Well, thank you, Jay, for that question. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Let's um, that was enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our uh, what, what what time is it? Abe? I think it might be time for uh, a fun game here. 
Little known fact, Aaron was actually the original composer for Beauty and the Beast, but he had to step out due to scheduling conflict, so Alan Menken stepped in. Yeah, they got they got a subpar replacement, but, you know, they do what they can. Jeez. I knew that. It's been happening. Yep. Yeah. Marcus, you did know that, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I have a game for you guys this week. Okay. It is called... Okay. It is called... La 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 la, <laughs> musical showdown, Disney edition. I appreciate you singing that part. <laughs> I, I try. So I think this is going to be a fun game, guys. What I'm okay. what, so what I've done here, um, I've I've these are all dis all the answers are Disney movies, and I've listed the various songs on the soundtrack for each movie, and I'm going to name them one by one until one person gets what movie I'm referencing. I like this game already. And so and because some of the songs are very, like some of the song like sing song songs are really easy to get, I've listed actual soundtrack tracks as well. Okay. So it's you know just like the what the musical score bits are called. So just so, like so it's that. not so it's not just like a whole new world like right away. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so well, that's later in the fun. film. Yeah. So, <laughs> but what I'm saying is they're going to get progressively. <laughs> if you guys don't get it, it'll get progressively easier as I go along yes. reading the names of the songs. So then we'll buzz in with our name. Yeah. And buzz, then in, we'll buzz in with your you name to guess the title movie. Yes. And it, and yes. I'm going to establish this right now. That once you buzz in, that you're out if you don't get it. There's no, there's no trying again. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Wow. <laughs> Did something happen? It just seems to happen a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Let's. because I wave, I wave my hand as if this was. I'm like, I'm laying down the law here. <laughs> so. The game is hurt. Is there, some, yeah. is there some kind of controversy? No, I'm just saying. I'm just pointing this out. <laughs> all right. Here's all the right, first let's one. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, all right. Here's the here's the first one. On a dark night. Hmm. David. Yeah. Aladdin. How did you get Aladdin? Is That's, it Aladdin? Yes, it's Aladdin. You got it. Oh. <laughs> uh, come on. David knows his his uh, Disney musicals. The others were The Ends of the Earth, To Be Free, One Jump Ahead, and A Whole New World. To Be Free, I would have got in there. Okay. On the south. Here's an here's the next one. <laughs> Just keep guessing that. Here's the next one. All right. The storm. Fathoms below. David, 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 David. Ah. David. Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid is correct. Fathoms below is one of my favorite songs from that uh, that album or that soundtrack. Here's the next one. My own home. Um, Marcus. Yeah. Is that Mulan? Incorrect. Uh, okay, That's I'm what done. friends are for. <sighs> Colonel Hathi's March. David. David. The Jungle Book. The Jungle Book is the correct uh, answer. Colonel Hathi. Oh, all right. Here's the next one. This land. Abe. Abe. Focus. Incorrect. Yes. I just had to take a guess. Under the stars. David. David? Are you, are you saying these aren't in order? I didn't say they're in order. No, they're, they're oh, not in okay. order. Well, The Lion King. The Lion King is correct. Ah. I didn't say they're in order. I said I've chosen all all songs from the soundtrack and I've put them in to make it more obscure to easy. Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. You gave me like a four-point lead, right? <laughs> <laughs> like a handicap four-point lead. has a four-point lead right now. Here's the next three. one. We're tied. <laughs> Here's the next one. Good game. The life I lead. 
feed the birds. David. David? Mary Poppins, right? Mary Poppins is correct. Wow. David. I didn't know you were going to get it. Destroy this game. Did you just come back from Disneyland? David lives at Disneyland. Don't you see his Instagram? (laughs) Oh, man. Here's the next one. Royal Pursuit. Onward and Upward. Wolves. Treason. In Summer. David. David. Frozen. Frozen is correct. I thought that would give it away, but okay. (laughs) What was the last song for that one? Uh, Love is an Open Door. Fixer Upper. (laughs) For the First Time in Forever. Let It Go. (laughs) Oh, there we go. I know that one. Oh, Frozen. Frozen. (laughs) Yeah. Mary Poppins, by the way, I had Step in Time, A Man Has Dreams, Jolly Holiday, Let's Go Fly a Kite, Spoonful of Sugar. I mean, it gets pretty simple as it goes. Here's the next one. Reflection. David. Abe. Mulan. That's correct. Yes, you got it. Thank you. One point. You chose the easiest song to start with that one. Apparently. Okay, because I had Blossoms, The Burned Out Village, True to Your Heart, which was that 98 Degrees TV Wonder Film song. Honor us, honor to us all, and I'll make you I'll make a man out of you. Obviously, uh, yeah, you will. Next one. Long ago, a star is born. David. Yep. This is uh, Hercules. Hercules oh, is the correct Hercules. answer. The I promise. Am, like, I'm not even mad. I'm just super impressed by David's like I'm, knowing I'm all these song titles. The- <laughs> Others were the prophecy, Bill's <laughs> Island, All Time Chump, Meg's Garden, Go to Go the Distance, Zero to Hero. <laughs> and those they they have great songs in that movie. Here's the next one. Okay. Never knew I needed. Almost there. David. Yep. Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog is the correct answer. Oh goodness. Woo. Yeah, gonna take you there. <laughs> Dig a little deeper. Friends on the other side. Mercy rule. Down in New Orleans. (laughs) Friends on the other side. That's a really good song. Yeah. That's the Keith David song. It's really good. Keith David also very good as as his role. Good villain in that movie. I like that movie in general. I haven't seen that since seeing it, but it's still. Oh, it's great. It's quite good. Yeah. Love it. Here's the last one. After today. On the open road. Abe. Abe? A goofy movie. A goofy movie is correct. <laughs> I wish today was the day after today. Nobody else but you, yeah. Bigfoot, Junction, The Waterfall, Eye to Eye, Stand Out. Boom. Powerline <laughs> is one of the Powerline. Yeah. Yeah, Leaning Tower of Cheese. Yep. Holly <laughs> Shore, yeah. I mean, when's the last time you heard Tevin Campbell's name? The, the last time I heard uh, <laughs> Eye to Eye or Stand Out. <laughs> I listened to those songs. Or, or the last time we on and I watched like a Fresh Prince three re- rerun. Yeah, <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the show. Yeah. Or he's, he's, he's the part where like uh, Will's like, like, wear them damn Tevin Campbell posters. <laughs> That's hey, That was games. Oh, David, for that. That, was, that was actually really cool. And again, I was just really impressed by David's knowledge of all these Disney songs. Yeah, you you, you crushed the songs on this one, David. So good job. <laughs> Thanks. Good, good game.
Yep, yeah. Marcus once again. Guessed at least yeah, a couple times. You, you get the participant's ribbon. <laughs> Good job. I mean, um, let's you. see. It should be a big statue of me. Yeah, the, the participant <laughs> ribbon. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. Just put my face on it. Quick, uh, quick feedback update. Uh, Philip writes, bad. "Tree of Life" for favorite Terrence Malick film. There you go. There you go. Tree of Life. Agreed. Agreed. Done. Just had to throw that in there because he got in under the wire. So <laughs> there, there it is. Yeah. Let's move on now, guys. Let's get to let's get to some out now presentables out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, and uh, we got a f- good number here actually. First up is Sing. Yes, yeah, it. Uh, Anna and I watched oh, it. No, uh, last I was night. thinking of Sing Street. No, not Sing Street. Yeah, yeah Sing, the Illumination film. Yeah, I didn't see it. I think, and I, I think, I mean, Abe, you've been aware that I'm not the biggest fan of Illumination. And this might, no. this might be by default my favorite animated movie from from Illumination. It's pretty good. Like, I enjoyed I'm, it quite a bit. I think I enjoyed it. I think it, it does a good job. That Taron Egerton, he plays like the gorilla. Yeah, um, yeah. He he's good. Like I, I liked him here. I liked him in Kingsman. I liked him in Eddie the Eagle. Like he's got a good little career ahead of him. He keeps doing good parts. Like he's, he's doing a good job. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see. Assassin's Creed. Terrible. I, it was terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, let's see. Live by Night. Uh, what was that about? That was Ben Affleck's uh, big. Oh, flop. that's on on video and streaming. Well, it's been three months. That's not. That's oh, not. It seems like much less time than that. I mean, seeing in that, it's, it came. These three movies I just mentioned all came out on the same day, so I mean, oh, it's not. Okay. A, it's not much of a much of a stretch there. <laughs> not to be confused on. with uh, Live by Night. Yeah, Live, <laughs> live yeah. by Night. Oh, I love yeah, that one. I love that one. Didn't hear many good things about it, and Ben Affleck seems very pissed off about the fact that nobody wanted to ask him about it when he was talking. Yeah, about yeah. We can't about remake it. Live by Night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the Disney remake of it, Live by Night. Um, let's see next up, Miss Sloan. This is the uh, Jessica Chastain. I heard that was decent. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, it's overall it's pretty good. I mean, it just it's 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 long, and I think it's a little ridiculous as far as what she's accomplishing in the movie. But it's certainly worth a rental. Julieta, um, that's the new uh, Amadovar film. Julieta. Uh, I've heard I heard interesting things about it, and I'm sure that friend of the show Adam Gentry probably has a better review of it. I know uh, Amadovar. He tends to make he has movies that range. Sometimes they're kind of more Hitchcocky, mysterious, and sometimes they're more on. Uh, Kind of like a women's film type thing, like a, like a story of like strong female characters. I think this one's supposed to lean more on the Hitchcocky side, like the more mystery, mysterious side. And I've heard good things about it for that in that okay. reason. So. Tower. This is a documentary I still really want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's it goes over the uh, is it Waco, the Waco, Texas uh, shooting. Is that what it was? This is the PBS thing. Yeah, not okay. no, not the PBS. It's not PBS. It was it oh, was PBS. it was just a doc. But it but it's it re it, it it instead of focusing on the actual shooter, which most things do, it focuses on the victims that were involved, okay. and and it handles it. It's entirely rotoscoped. All the it's so oh, like an, it's, okay, yeah. it's animated. This is definitely like a PBS thing. Yeah, it's like no, it's not. It it, it like recreates a scenario. It has interviews and stuff, and it's all done with rotoscope animation. So it's I've heard nothing but great things about this. I really want to see. I know it's on, I know it's on Amazon, uh, but now it's out on Blu-ray as well. So let's see. Speaking <laughs> of documentaries, Fire at Sea. This was one of the nominees uh, from this year. Um, yeah, Italia, in, Italia, it, Italy's uh, <laughs> Italy's entry involved uh, involving um, refugees and what have you. Um, it's a little long. Um, it's well shot. Uh, not my favorite of the documentaries, which I managed to see most of them actually this year. Um, but yeah, it's certainly worth watching if you're interested. Um, let's see. On Criterion this week, multiple maniacs from John Waters and being there with uh, Peter Sellers um, 
from director Hal Ashby. I Being There is a great movie. If you haven't seen if you haven't seen Being There, if you're a big fan of Forrest Gump and you haven't seen Being There, this is a movie to see because I like this movie more than Forrest Gump. They're very similar. Let's see, RoboCop two and three out on Scream Factory or Shout Factory released this week. One of those is okay. Another is an abomination. <laughs> I've never seen part three. Is that the one that's okay? No, it's not. Part three okay, is a terrible all right. movie. <laughs> Alright, just making sure. Because like part two is like, it's okay. Part, two, no, part two's not very good either. Like It's not very good. Yeah, compared to Robocop. Compared to Robocop, yeah, no. but yeah, part two is at least watchable. Part three is is not a good thing. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. uh, let's see. Teen Witch. This is like an eighties favorite, I think, for people. Some people. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like the te- television show Teen Witch. No, I would say Sabrina the Teenage Witch if I was talking about okay, the Teenage right. Witch. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't just abbreviate it. Um, and uh, Lifeboat. Lastly, Alfred Hitchcock classic film, Lifeboat. Okay. Is on a, cool. a new a new edition of his Blu-ray this week. I think it was released before. All right. Let's move on now. Let's get to Extremely Cool. These are things that are now on Netflix that you can uh, check out. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, this might not have been listed correctly, but I believe Dave Chappelle has, like, a new special out on Netflix on the... Yeah, it's coming by, out uh, on the 21st, in a couple so of days. The, the time of this release, it should be out there already. Yeah, uh, agreed. I'm quite I'm excited, excited about that. Uh, let's see. Also out, Iron Fist, the new, the, the, the fourth of the Marvel Defenders shows that are on, uh, on Netflix. Has anybody here started that series? I've watched the first two episodes. And? It's, it's pretty vanilla. Well, clearly... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what it, regardless of its, I mean, one thing about its casting, he, the the guy Finn Jones who plays Danny Rand, yes, he, I don't like him. Like, I don't like this character. Like, oh, which is the first man. time. Like, I've liked the other characters in the in at least, even if they're flawed. Which I, you know, I think the Marvel shows in general, they've been okay. Like, some have been better. Like, I really like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Daredevil, I think, is it's good in its action. I think it's kind of the, the the lawyer stuff less involving for me, but um, I liked it. I, again, yeah, this one it just it's the first one that feels kind of empty, like where there's there like like Luke Luke Cage, coming off of Luke Cage, which I think had a real neat style to it, like it really felt like a like a modern black exploitation. This feels just like generic like guy enters town and starts causing trouble. Except I don't really like the guy. Like I don't like Danny Rand at all. Who's <laughs> like, and so I'm hoping it builds from where it is because I'm only in two episodes in, but it's. Wasn't it's, it getting terrible reviews? It was. It was getting terrible reviews, and, and I, I can see where they come from based off just watching these first couple episodes. So I'm, I'm hoping it gets better, because mm. um, you know they're all going to be starring in the Defenders, where all four of them are in the same show. So it'll be right. right. It, this feels like a necessary piece of the puzzle now, <laughs> as opposed to like I'm excited to keep watching it. But hopefully it gets better. But the, yeah. the problem I've had with these Marvel shows is that they're too long. Like they should also be like eight, ten episodes, and not thirteen. We'll see. we'll see if I can stick it all the happens. way through with 13 episodes of this thing. Stick it through and let us know how it goes. But they, they've tended to be like, I'll be doing work and they'll be on the background type shows. So if I can if I can handle it to that degree, then there you go. So. Okay. Uh, let's see. Also, I, I read about this one because I saw the title and I was like, what is that? It's called Samurai Gourmet. Season one of this on Netflix. Guess you say. And it's, it is about a, um, I guess, a chef who kind of has, like, daydreams of being, like, a samurai, and so it's, like, half of it's, like, him doing his chef stuff, and the other half's, like, just, like, or not half, but, like, part of it's, like, just this, like, imaginary chef persona he has for himself. Is this a comedy? I assume so, just by that description. But it's a a Japanese series, I guess, it's, like, its first season on Netflix. It sounds pretty interesting, so I'm curious to check it out. Yeah, I'll check What white guy is playing the main character? (laughs) It's actually Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That's why he was busy. He was doing this job. <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, lastly, 
Coraline is now back on Netflix streaming. Nice. I love that movie. Just a really good movie. Just wanted to point that out there because I saw that jumped on there. All right. Next week. Next week's show. That was extremely cool. Next week, there's a number of things coming out, but I know we have Life and Power Rangers. Those are those are both happening. Your ones, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll figure out. Maybe maybe we'll talk about both. We'll see. But uh, they'll be talked about to some extent because I'm seeing both of them anyway. But we'll uh, right. we'll see what happens as far as our main review for next week goes. But yeah, those are. Uh... Is Life that alien movie that's not called Alien? Yeah, the, yes. the other yeah the other alien movie in a year there where there is an alien movie coming out. Yes, that, that would be the one. Featuring uh, what's it, featuring Ryan Reynolds with the writers of Deadpool in uh, writing this movie. You know what's weird? I haven't seen it yet, but considering that they have like a, a cast that is uh, pretty diverse and they all come from different countries, it's like, why not make Ryan Reynolds a Canadian astronaut? Do you know that they don't? I don't know if they do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Thanks. I'll, Thanks. I'll, be, I'll be curious. That was a very ratatat answer you gave me, but thank you for that. If that, yeah, if that does happen, I'd be like, oh, wow. Congratulations, guys. It Kudos. does have, um, what's his name? Hiroko Sonata, who I, I, I love like. that. I liked him quite a bit, and he was in Sunshine, so basically don't go to space with that guy, because that seems like a bad idea. It'd be terrible if Sam Neill shows up. <laughs> yeah, Sam, Sam, Neill and, Sam Neill and Mark Strong. They, they're both reprising their bad guy roles from space movies, and they come back in here. When was Mark Strong a bad guy in Sunshine. Space? I can't talk about Sunshine. Oh, right. <laughs> that was almost our commentary for the month, so that's why I keep mentioning it. <laughs> All right. And, of course, we have Power Rangers, which, you know, go, go, right? So we'll see. That's we'll see right. That but, yeah, that's... Uh, that's that. So let's uh, let's uh, let's do the last thing here, which is what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Marcus Robinson, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh Get Out. If you can, it's it's the best movie of the year so far. If you did, if you saw it, see it again. What are you seeing next? Um, you know what? Probably Life. I, I want to see what happens. I want to see if the that thing gets back into Earth's atmosphere. We'll find out. See. We'll uh, find out. David, I want to see yeah. if he's a Canadian astronaut. <laughs> that's the that's the biggest mystery I have now. <laughs> David, yeah, what do people see in theaters right now? Well, uh, you know, I'm really behind, so I actually still need to see Kong and Get Out, and uh, so I I would just say if you really really need to see Beauty and the Beast, see it because it made 350 million globally this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so, so clear, clearly you, it's leaving theaters soon, so you really need yeah, to know yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Run out and see it. <laughs> <laughs> See it now before the seats are all taken. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, in terms of family movies, I would definitely recommend the Lego movie over Beauty and the Beast. Um, but if you're going to see Beauty and the Beast, then yeah, go ahead. And then next is uh, Power Rangers and uh, Life. Yeah, I uh, I was huge on Kong Skull Island last week, and I'm going to continue being on huge this week. So, yeah, I'd say see that. And I also saw The Salesman is like still around in a lot of theaters. So that you know the, won an Oscar for best uh, foreign Oscar film. Oscar for Hardy film. Yeah, yeah. It won, a, won a lot of Oscar. It won an Oscar for best foreign film, and I've, it's, it's apparently still is that, playing. Does that make it a three for him? Two. Two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, certainly recommend. I mean, as far as you know, a smaller film. That's one to see. I'd recommend it. Yeah. And yeah, next I'm seeing Power Rangers. That's uh, next on the schedule here. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. You can find all my stuff there. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find me over at Instagram, Oakley Doakley, as well as Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose, hashtag live by night. <laughs> Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, at Movies Marcus and uh, MoviesMarcus.com. David, yeah? I'm on endorexpress.net. Find me on Facebook there. And uh, my Instagram account, if you want to see a bunch of theme park pictures, is Coete Boy, C-O-H-E-T-E-B-O-Y. Great. You can find awesome. all the 
you can find all the other episodes about Now Theron and Abe on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. Listen to us over at HHWD, SoundCloud, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on Beauty and the Beast or anything else we discussed today over at outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Send us feedback over at facebook.com slash outnotpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnot underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Tumblr page where you can send us all the gifts of the beast screaming at the animated version of the beast over at outnotpodcast.tumblr.com. If she doesn't have dinner with me, she doesn't, or if she doesn't eat at all. I, I think I messed up that line. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> nailed, nailed that screw up. I love Marcus's, yeah. <laughs> Mess that one up. It's okay. You can't, we can't all be as good as Marcus at games, that's for sure. Um, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> So congratulations once again to David for winning games. Before we started recording, you said we weren't going to do this game thing. Now you want to humiliate (laughs) It's weird how I get you on the show by telling you we're definitely not doing games this time, and then I lie to you like that. It's me every time. (laughs) Every time. Fool fool me five times. Shame on us. But no, thank thank you, David and Marcus, once again for joining us today to talk to you. Thank you for having me. And watch Big Little Lies. It's getting good. HBO, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. So until we go go to find out what happens with life, that's uh, gonna do it. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. See ya. I was the one who had it all I was the master of my fate I never needed anybody in my life I learned the truth too late I'll never shake away the pain I close my eyes but she's still there I let her steal into my melancholy heart It's more than I can bear Now I know she'll never leave me Even as she runs away She will still torment me Call me, hurt me, move me, come what may by an open door I'll fool myself she'll walk right in and be with me forevermore I rage against the trials of love I curse the fading of the light though she's already flown so far beyond my reach She's never out of sight Now I know she'll never leave me Even as she fades from view She will still inspire me Be a part of everything I do Wasting in my life Myself shall walk right in 
And as the long, long nights begin I'll think of all that might have been Waiting here Your explanations of the songs were better than listening to the songs. <laughs> <laughs>